0: in one timeout for Cincinnati and going deep into the end zone and caught by Chase oh my goodness what a crab 34-yard touchdown throw
1: Burrow
2: back to throw fires deep down the
1: sideline
2: Chase wide open touchdown bangles
3: Hello and welcome to episode 168 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that is back after a week's break and uh, we are now fully into the draft. Isn't that mad? Um, It just seems like yesterday we were preparing for a Super Bowl and now we're already through free agency pretty much and now fully wearing our draft hats. Uh, My name is Paul Hyres with me to discuss... Well, just really launch our draft coverage. Really, um, is Nathan Palmer? Nathan, hello.
0: How you doing, my son? Absolute pleasure. I had a week off last week, but a pleasure to be back talking to you on Cincinnati. Uh, uh, What
3: kind of fancy draft hat are you wearing at the moment?
0: Um, It's like one of those Stetson hats, right? Okay, (laughs) with with draft twenty two on it.
3: Very nice. I like that. I've got more like an Easter bonnet with little figurines of the players that I want to draft strewn around the hat. The straw hat. It's a straw Easter bonnet, I think. Easter bonnets. Uh, don't really do them anymore, do we? Did you used to do them when you were growing up? I don't even know what it is, Something. You don't even know what an Easter
0: bonnet is? An Easter bonnet? Like a Scotch bonnet?
3: (laughs) no. It's like a hat, it's like a stupid straw hat that people used to wear at Easter and you put like little kind of eggs around it and we all made them as kids and wore them and when we were footloose, fancy free, innocent, not a care in the world and look at us now, maybe that's why the world is a much more different place at the moment No, no time for the innocence and the magic of an Easter bonnet these days
0: no, I can't say. That's a that's a new one for me today.
3: I've gone off on a tangent already. I've lost you already, haven't I? I can feel it. I can feel it already. <laughs> um, it is mad, though, isn't it? We're already into the draft. And this week, um, uh, if you've been listening and following along to one of our favourite Twitter people, uh, Katie Blackburn spoke at the owners' meeting uh, about indoor facilities. And, and just the fact it was the owners' meeting... Um, tells you that we're fully into the the first phase of the season and uh the kind of OTAs and training camp schedules have been released and and uh I think the Bengals are one of the later in fact the latest club to start their their uh, some activities aren't they so um it's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's out of nowhere we're not out of nowhere because I've been dr- mock drafting like an absolute fiend for the past several weeks. I have to say, a couple of months actually, if I'm, I'm being honest. Um, but yeah, it just seems to be like bang—we're we're into this new season and we've got loads of names to process and loads, you know, pondering of what to do at thirty-one. Certainly a. A position in the draft that we we are not used to, at least not for a long, long, long time.
0: Hundred percent. It's weird looking at these mock drafts. I'm so used to looking in the sort of top half of the Bengals and looking at hearing some of the top top prospect names. And when you're looking at the back end of that first round, it, it's, you don't, those guys don't get as much coverage. They're not as in the headlines. That is a weird position to be in, but I'm uh, obviously a fantastic one considering our run. But I guess as well, the other thing it does, it really opens up the draft. You know, when you're in the top, top 10, 15 that the Bengals are used to, there's fewer names that you're linked with. Whereas obviously down at 31, you know, a whole multitude of guys, some of which could fall out of the middle of the first round and you might pick up and say, you've got some fantastic value. And there's other guys that may be sort of perceived to be sort of mid second round guys that the Bengals might fall in love with and actually take a bit early. So Quite a lot of options. Um, I think positionally as well, that's been sort of kicked around. um, Everything from linebacker, offensive line, cornerback, there's quite a few areas that the Bengals can go. And I think that's because they had a fantastic free agency, shored up the gap on the line, tried as best as they could to not leave any gaping holes that need to be filled immediately. So, I don't know if it's exactly best player available, and you can go in any direction. There are some, you know, slightly more pressing needs than others, but I think certainly they've they've given themselves a fairly good position to be in.
3: Yeah, it's it really is a, a, an intra I mean, every draft is interesting, but th- this one in particular because obviously we had the, as you say, you know, it really did narrow things down to Chase and Saul last year, wasn't it? That huge debate about Chase versus Saul. But this year, I mean, where do you go? And I guess the Bengals have always liked to plug in holes in free agency and they've done a great job signing quality players in free agency the last two or three years. And they seem to have done the same this year uh, as well. And I guess all you have to do is just take a look at the roster, perhaps not the starters, but just who's behind them to see where they might go because... You look at cornerback, for instance, uh, they re-signed Eli Apple, but Darius Phillips is gone, Trey Waynes is gone, uh, Trey uh, Flowers is currently still a free agent, so there's not a lot, to, if anything, uh, or if anyone, uh, behind those two starters. So you can kind of maybe say cornerback is some somewhere they may be looking. They re-signed B.J. Hill as a starter, but in that sort of, I don't know, three-tech defensive tackle, even five-tech mould, there's not a lot behind that uh, position, so they might go there. And then, of course, you look at the offensive line, and there's certainly bodies on the offensive line now with Karras and Kappa and uh, La'El Collins. But then you've also got Carmen and Trey Hill and Deontay Smith and Hakeem, I know, Hakeem Energy and uh, Isaiah Prince, Fred Johnson's the only person that's sort of departed there. Um, So there's certainly bodies there on the offensive line. It's just a case of the quality. Uh, Do you like the pass rush? Do you want a bit more pass rush? Do you like the wide receiver room? Because uh, Auden Tate has gone. Stanley Morgan has been re-signed. Mike Thomas has re-signed. But behind those starters, there's a fantastic trio of starters of, of Chase Boyd and Higgins. What else have we got? Will they be looking at wide receiver depth? Are they happy with the running back? Are they happy with the quarterback position? You're right. They could go any anywhere,
0: really. So, um, I don't think they're happy with the quarterback, Sam. No, I, I agree. I agree. I'd, uh... I think it's Desmond Ridder, We've got to move on from Burrow. He's <laughs> he's struggled at times. He's not oh, up to no, He
3: just didn't win that Super Bowl on that last play, did he? No, I and mean, that's the thing. That's <laughs> out of order.
0: <laughs> You give him the chance on that final drive to, you know, that what what more does he want? You know, I think we've got to we've got to go for a winner.
3: <laughs> yeah, and that whole SpongeBob SquarePants thing, man, that that's not good. I think we could get a, a quarterback who's into a much better cartoon series. Um, yeah, I think we should look out for a, a quarterback really, um, or new. No.
0: Uh, right? Um, do you think there's do you on. think there's one Bengals fan right out there that? <laughs> Is in his or her right mind, like you'd have to get them checked out and say, look, this person is, you know, legitimate, that thinks to themselves, I reckon we should go quarterback round one. Like, even there's One fan, like one that's slightly mental, but like just about <laughs> clinically sane fan that would say, I reckon there's a quarterback out there for the Bengals in the first round. No. Not one. No,
3: it can't be. Why would the there whole, be? there's there be?
0: has got to be, got to be a, look, at least be? a million Bengals fans, isn't there out there? You remember know, one of them would be saying, "No, I reckon quarterback."
3: No, no, I, I genuinely do not think there. I mean, do you think there is?
0: Oh, there's probably one that's maybe not very well informed <laughs> that maybe thinks <laughs> there's probably. Do you know what there is? There's probably some mad diehard um, Cincinnati Bearcats that would want them to take Ridda to maybe be the backup to Burrow. There'd be someone yeah. romantically that would want that.
3: Well, did you see our uh, April Fools' last week? Where I did, yeah. Where we suggested that the Bengals would be, uh, thanks to our old friend Barry Bullshit uh, from ProFootballFart.com, dot com, um, uh, that the Bengals would be signing Baker Mayfield uh, to be third string quarterback, and has ever quite a few people fail for it, which is you know that's the part of the thing with the April Fools' they're rubbish, April Fools' but. Uh, uh, part of the fun of them is is for people to actually believe them. I think, and people did believe that. Um, so this is what we're going to do. Our draft coverage is always about demystifying the process, or at least trying to uh, trying to break through all the because there's so many res testing diagrams and figures and so many names out there, so many positions. It's, it can get if you're not into the draft, it can be quite overwhelming and actually quite boring, I have to say. Because I think there are a lot of people out there outside of of Twitter, uh, the hardcore Twitter people, um, that just don't care. You know, they just want the Bengals to pick, you know, good players, and that's absolutely fair enough. So this is what we're all all about. We try and demystify the process and break it down, and maybe. Give you some names that the Bengals might be looking at, give you some positions. So, you know, when it does come to draft night, you'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 okay. And as I say, this is the start, the launch of our draft coverage episodes. We always do three in the lead up to the draft. Of course, the draft is the the final weekend in April this month. Uh, And we always start off with uh, a round table featuring. A motley crew of British Bengals fans who are into the draft, so that's coming up in a little while. Nathan, yes, my son. Um, I wanted to before we get into that, um, I mentioned some positions. Um, what, where, where are you looking? Uh, the, the, like you said, the draft isn't necessarily about need, but, but if you can marry need with Value and best player available, and all the rest that's obviously the kind of the absolute goal, isn't it? Um, but the Bengals, I think, have put themselves in a nice position where they can uh, not necessarily figure or kind of zero in on a particular position group uh, at the moment because they've got kind of starters in every position, and I think they'll be happy with their roster at the moment, but of course, the draft. What's that old saying? You fill holes in free agency, but you add talent in the draft. And um, as ever, there's some good players out there. Um, any And also, you know, um, when this whole process started before free agency, it was kind of like the Bengals have to address the offensive line for obvious reasons. Um, do you still think that's the case or, you know, has the signing of those three guys in free agency... Um, made the offensive line less of a priority?
0: I definitely think it's less of a priority in the draft. I mean, bringing in three quality starters is massive. I mean, the the, the offensive line was poor last year, but it got you to a Super Bowl and you've put three upgrades in there. So, I mean, you could certainly go back to the line in the draft and maybe in rounds two three four pick up someone that you think would be good a good rotation piece someone that potentially could is not necessarily going to start this year but could come in and start the year after you're obviously looking at jackson carmen on that line as well and just desperately hoping that he can have a good offseason and you know what these experienced guys that we've brought in that are high character leaders in that locker room can put their arm around it and say look son This is what you need to do. And, you know, we want you to sort of get to that standard. Because, I mean, Jackson Carmen was a high second round pick. The Bengals really liked him. Frank Pollock would have had a big say on that. And I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I know a lot of people aren't. So, He's the one guy that you're looking at and saying, all right, he didn't have a great season. He didn't get as much playing time as he wanted. The reviews in camp and, you know, in training were fantastic, but you've got to hope there's more to come from him. Um, There's obviously a chance they still bring back Quinton Spain, who's out there at the moment and is unsigned. That would be an interesting signing. So, I don't think by any means the line is... I, I don't think they need to go line in round one. I don't would, I would think it'd be a horrible decision if there was a guy there that you were saying, cool, this guy's a mid-first round guy. He's an incredible talent. But I personally don't think it, it should be number one priority or even perhaps number two or three priority on the list. I think we've done a good job there. There's a, Jackson Carman hopefully to step up. Um, maybe round two and three, but I'm not, I'm not sure about round one personally. Yeah. So. Mm.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it goes against everything that we spoke about and lots of people have been speaking out uh, about uh, prior to the draft, the fact that this offensive line has to be remodelled. Uh, so actually not having that desperate need in the first round is kind of quite interesting. But there may be a few interior guys uh, that will fall to us at 31 because, of course, you never know with the draft. Um what about other positions Nathan have you have you got any favorite positions that you think we should be addressing in that first second round
0: Um I think the interior defensive line you've got a to... Do something there with I mean, I know Ogunjobi's Joby's still out there. Obviously he failed that physical in Chicago. It'd be great to get him back. Obviously, I'm not sure what he's gonna be requesting or what his status is in terms of that, if you know, physically and et cetera. But I think with him leaving, obviously they re-signed BJ Hill to quite a big fat contract. But you'd like potentially another guy in there to support that and, and come in. That could be a potential um look in the first round. Obviously cornerback everyone's talking about, the Bengals lover first-round cornerback, so it wouldn't be a surprise at all to see them go there Um, and add a bit of youth to the position and a bit more longevity. So, I mean, they're the ones that are being kicked around a lot. I think if you're looking for wild cards, I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't think the Bengals think that Hayden Hurst is going to be the the sort of answer there long-term. I think it's a decent sign-in. I'm a bit concerned about what we've seen from Drew Sample. I'm not sure that he's the answer, certainly from a pass catching perspective in the long run. So, I mean, if there was a talent there that the Bengals thought was, you know, it could be of like a wild card, might come in and make an immediate impact. And I think that's what we're looking for, isn't it? You You want someone that, as much as obviously the draft is not an immediate impact process, you do, but where the Bengals are now and how they're looking. You want someone that is going to make an impact. It's going to come on the field and it's not just going to sit there for a year, two, three years before they can actually do something. So I'd be a big advocate for the Bengals trading up and grabbing someone in the 20s or maybe even slightly higher if they really felt that that was going to be a game changer for them. Because there's it's a time for them to be aggressive. They're never known for trading up in the first round or even the second round. So... I think if there's a guy they particularly like um, that they feel can come in and make a big difference early on, then I'd love to see him be aggressive, you know. Um, and
3: conversely, of course, they could trade down. If there's someone that's not to their liking at the bottom of that first round, they could trade back into the first half of the second round and get, you know, I'm I'm actually quite a big advocate of that. I'm becoming more and more sold on that idea. Um but we'll see. I would also add safety into the mix. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with Jesse Bates. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Von Bell. Do you think it... Go on. Go on, sorry. No, I was just going to say Von Bell's out of contract at the end of next season. So safety could be a sneaky need um, right now. And as, But as you say, it will be the perfect opportunity to draft, draft someone... You know, second, third round, perhaps, and let them, you know, contribute off the bench next year to learn their trade. And um yeah, and there's there's some good safeties in that second or third round. Uh but like you said, tight end. I'm interested in the tight ends. I like, you know, at least half a dozen half a dozen tight ends from anywhere between round two and round five, uh, certainly in the mock uh drafts that I've done. There's a half a dozen of People there that I really like, and you, you read that the Bengals are, are, are interested in Trey McBride, who could be a second rounder. So, um, yeah, I think uh, for me, it's it's cornerback, defensive tackle, uh, a versatile one, maybe, maybe a three technique, but someone who can line up in uh, on five technique as well, because they do sort of vary their fronts, don't they, a lot? Certainly in the last year or so. So you want someone with versatility there. Uh, so, yeah, cornerback, defensive tackle, wide receiver depth, tight end, and and perhaps safety as well. So those five position groups, I think, uh, will need a bit of uh, focus uh, and attention. We're not going to go into names just yet. Um, towards the end of the process, Nathan and I will name our uh, five players that we would like to see drafted by the Bengals. But um, I think now it's time for... Um, uh british bengals fans round table and this year we have peter dadswell we have paris pinney we have nathan sangara and uh, rory joe daniel
4: so pete it's over to you thanks very much paul um so uh, greetings today um nathan rory joe and paris are all joining me to talk about the draft um so Last few years, it's been quite obvious who we're going to be going for because we've had very high picks, whether it be Borough a couple of years ago or the um, Sewell-Chase debate last year. This year, very different. It's very hard to predict and therefore got quite a few candidates to to talk about um, that we may be looking at um, in around the the first round. Um, Now, there are plenty of people we could talk about. Unfortunately, Paul and Nathan won't give us the three or four hours that we would really like, so we're just going to limit it to a few players that... Maybe there or thereabouts. Um, We've had very uh, successful, two very successful draft classes and three very successful free agency periods, which have left uh, the draft wide open for us, giving us a a number of options in a number of different positions. Um, And one of the possibilities is just going best player available. Um, There is a player who quite Possibly could fall from what would otherwise be a much higher position due to a recent injury. Um, Nathan, tell us about David Ajarbo, the Michigan edge rusher.
2: Yeah, David Ajarbo, massive fan. Above of, of his uh, of his game, he's a edge slash outside linebacker. Depending on how you want to um, use him, he's twenty-one, uh, six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. Played along um, outside, um, the other side of Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, looks brilliant throughout the entire season with uh, 11 sacks and also five forced fumbles. So he's a guy who really gets after the ball as well. But as, as we know, unfortunately, on his pro day, he's actually torn his Achilles, which is one of the most serious injuries you can get. Um, yeah. So he's, he's one of those um, health risks now, which is causing him to drop down a lot of boards into the second round sometimes. So he's a player that could be there for him. Despite the injuries, though, his athleticism is undeniable especially with his length and also his speed. He ran a four-five-five forty time, which is pretty good for a defensive end outside linebacker. Um, he's has a diverse range of moves to beat tackles, and he's a relentless player. He's a really good, really good motor. Doesn't give up on a good play at all. Um, scheme-wise, he's more of a 3-4 outside linebacker kind, but the Bengals do use multiple fronts a lot, especially Luan Rumo loves to do that. So I think he could yeah. be a really uh, versatile player for us. He could play outside linebacker, play him off the edge a bit, um, so he's definitely a player that I really, really like. Uh, he does need to build his frame a bit more. He does struggle in the run game a bit. So he's more of a designated pass rusher early on. But I think him and Osai rotating can be very scary and Bengals can have a really good pass rush going forward.
4: And for us Bengals UK uh, fans, he would be of particular interest because he um, he grew up in Scotland, didn't he?
2: At Aberdeen, I believe. I think he was born in Nigeria, came to Aberdeen, I think, when he was younger and before yeah. going to America to pursue his career.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. I um, mean, there is another pos- potential uh, BPA who may fall to us. And lots of mocks seem to suggest that uh, Tyler Lindebaum, the centre from Iowa, um, who mo- most think is the best centre and likely to go in the, in the top 15, may be pushed even lower down towards us. Um, I, I mean, I like him, 6'2", 296" high-level starting centre prospect. Um, Actually started out as a defensive tackle, but then transitioned in college. Let's start with the negatives. He's relatively short at 6'2". He's not got long arms at 31.1, and he's somewhat light at the moment, 296. He'll need to put some uh, pounds on there. But look at the positives. He's very polished, great technique, and very mobile. So he's really good on the pull. He's great in the screen game. Um, perhaps his biggest um, quality is his um, intelligence an intangible quality nonetheless. But he, he reads the D very, very well, very strongly picking up twists and stunts, which, is, as we probably know, the, the Bengals' weakness uh, in the interior offensive line last year were um, defending against these uh, twists and stunts. Um, he was uh, a wrestler at high school. I've seen a bout of him wrestling against his former Iowa teammate, the now £320 offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs, who, uh, Wirfs, who he beat um, in wrestling. It, you can see that wrestling ability when um, pass blocking. He, he, he has a decent anchor. So I know that the Bengals have invested a lot this uh, off-season in the O-line, and many would think that would probably preclude them from drafting um, at 31, the offensive line, but it would be very hard for them to turn down a quality um, such as Tyler Lindebaum. It's always possible for Karras to kick across to the left guard. If Lindebaum's there, I-, I could see that they would be um, interested in him. But speaking of offensive line, there may be another one who seems again to be pushing down to around number 31 where we pick. Nathan, tell us about um, Texas A&M's Kenyon Green.
2: Well, the definition of a versatile offensive lineman, um, he played uh, left guard, right guard and left tackle just in his last year. He's also played a bit of right tackle as well. So anywhere but centre pretty much. So he's lined up a lot of places. Um, he's 21, six foot four, three 325 pounds. Um, he's very good on the move. So it fits uh, the wide zone offence that the Bengals love to use a lot. See with uh, Joe Mixon running out wide. Um, He's got really good body control and he's an explosive athlete. And uh, his tape would su- suggest he's more of a guard than a tackle anyway, which, considering the Bengals, his biggest weakness on the O line right now is a left guard. So he'd be an instant starter there. if you wanted to compete with Jackson Carmen, I suppose uh, he could, but I would expect him to to win that job. Um, yes, yeah, so he would, even though he struggled as a tackle, he'd be more uh, more suited as a guard prospect. He did have issues with holding, so uh, he's, one of his biggest weaknesses is to work on his hand placement, which is something I'm sure that Frank Pollock could work work out massively with him. Uh, but yeah, was playing, him playing at left guard would be a really good option. Could it even boost uh, the Bengals' offensive line-up near the top 10 mark, which would be a drastic change considering last year it was more like bottom five, with, as you can see in the playoffs, the amount of sacks that Burrow took. So I think he'd be an excellent option. Um, give Burrow the time he needs to take the next step in becoming an elite quarterback in the NFL.
4: Um, really good value as well if he got to, to 31 wouldn't you say 100% I've
2: seen him taken in, like, in, the, in the teens a lot in mocks yeah. so seeing him yeah. down to there would be excellent him, Ajavo, uh Lindemar all really good options that could be a, a, definitely a slide for
4: them um, if we were to draft on the basis of need I think a lot of people would agree that the position of need might be a cornerback cornerback 2 Um there are, does appear to be quite a number of cornerbacks who could be there or thereabouts. Um, so let's have a look at a few of those. Paris, you've had a look at Kaya Elam from Florida, haven't you? Tell me about him.
1: But yeah, six foot two and 190 pounds. Um, he's got the height and length of the Bengals, usually covered in cornerback prospects. Um, his speed was said to be a bit of an issue, but he erased those fears with a four point yard dash time at the combine. Um, he's got really good ball skills, really good at breaking up passes, getting interceptions. Um, he's physical and at his best in press man coverage, um, though despite his size, he's an average tackler at best. Um, he'll need to work at at the next level. Um, he also needs to be careful with his hand usage and get a bit grabby at the top of roots, but that's just his physical style. Um, overall, um, I'm not sure if he'll ever be an elite cornerback, but I think he'll be a top end cornerback too, and I think he'll compete... Straight away with Eli Apple for that CB two spot, so I think he'd offer really good value for us at thirty one.
4: I agree with you about the length. That, that that's the length that uh, traditionally the, the Bengals really covered. Um, okay, Rory, I think you've had half an eye on Kyler Gordon, the Washington cornerback, haven't you?
5: Yeah, I really uh, liked Kyler Gordon. Um, sort of after this after the season ended, he was one of the guys that sort of flashed to me as a a high potential cornerback and the off-season's kind of not gone according to plan for him in terms of the the combine was disappointing in terms of his 40 time which we know is really important for for cornerbacks in particular he posted a, a four point five two, which was disappointing especially when there's so much hype surrounding him that he could potentially be a sort of sub 4-4 guy um, so he's, he's had to do a little bit to, to recover from from that and I think he improved slightly on his other testing at uh, his pro day but he stood on the 40 time which does suggest that he's not going to get much better um, speed wise but when you turn on the tape um, he's very very good corner, he's very smooth in coverage um, he, turning the hips he, he's very good at that um, and that sort of makes up for some of the speed, sort of the straight line speed that he might miss out on uh, he, he started in his second year um, at Washington, he got five starts uh, outside corner and then in the shortened 2020 Pac-12 season, they used him in more of a versatile role. So he did a little bit of safety, played in the box, and um, so he can do that. Sturdy frame, good, good, solid tackler. And um, so then going into the sp- last spring, we sort of didn't know what position they might use him as, um, but he stuck at outside corner opposite Trent McDuffie, Um and he was very, very successful. Six pass breakups, two interceptions, and um, and I think probably now we're looking at him and, and maybe he could. Uh, the Bengals could sort of move backwards in the draft. Um we could pick up some extra draft capital and he could potentially be on the board sort of in the 40s, something like that. Uh, the testing might off put people off. But I think he's really a solid player that could develop. He might not be a day one starter, but definitely develop um into that role for us.
4: Well you, you mentioned him there. Mm-hmm. I've also had a look at his uh, Washington cornerback teammate Trent McDuffie. Um slightly different in stature five ten and a half, hundred and ninety-three uh, pounds. Um, he doesn't have the measurables that you'd want. I mean, he's got T-Rex arms—the uh, fifth percentile, 29.75 arms—and that's really not what the Bengals like, which kind of put me off expecting them him to be on high on their board. But he's got a good straight line speed, 4.44, um, and he, he's very aggressive. He's a, a sticky um, cornerback, and 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 I know that the Bengals like that. The production wasn't there for me. Um, I think a lot of the production was actually by Kyler Gordon that you, you referred to. Um, he's only had eight pass defences in his career, six of them last season. He's only had two interceptions in his career none last season. So the production really isn't there. Um, he he will be there or thereabouts at 31. NFL seem to like him. He seems to be um, quite high on boards, Um But if he's there, the Bengals would certainly have a look at him. Uh, As I said, I'm not sure the measurables are exactly what we routinely see the Bengals going for. Um, Speaking of short arms, there is another who may be there or thereabouts. So as as Rory talked about, there's a possibility we may trade back. Team wanting to come up for the fifth year option um, late in the first round and we can pick up some extra picks. Nathan, you've had a look at Auburn's Roger McCreary, haven't you? Yeah,
2: um he's a good uh, prospect, despite obviously the physical limitations mentioned. He only has 29 in charms, which can be a problem, especially playing outside corner. Uh, but he's uh, 22, 6 foot, 190 pounds, massively battle tested as well, playing the SEC for a start. But especially uh, with 183 career targets that he's had to face. So so he's definitely faced a lot of action um, against like these receivers who could be going first, second round as they're playing against teams like Alabama, etc. Uh, he's a really good press man, um, especially with his technique and physicality. And even though he ran a 4-5, which isn't exactly blazing for a corner, he mm. does play a lot faster on tape than he does uh, in terms of his testing numbers. So he's a guy that even, even though he ran that, he could be a lot more effective um, as a coverage corner in, uh, in, in actual games as opposed to just the testing numbers. Um, he does also have safety experience, that so could be versatile, especially early on in his career. Obviously, uh, the Bengals are looking for a third safety um, to to play alongside Jesse Bates and Von Bell, so he could be a good option. He could sort of uh, dabble in a little bit of that as well. Um, he, he can be a bit more reactionary with his eyes, so you'd like to th- think that he can improve that a lot more, so he, he'd rather him be more uh, proactive in terms of trying to uh, recognise different routes from receivers. But I, I do like him as a player, and he could be a player that maybe even drops into the second round, so Bengals could move back, as you mentioned before, and still get him and get some extra picks too.
4: Good. I mean, in an ideal world, I'd love to be talking about my favourite cornerback, um, Sauce Gardner from the Cincinnati Bearcats. do like a bit of Sauce. But realis- realistically, he's going in the top 10, top 12 at the most. So we're never going to see him. But there is another cornerback who was supposed to be going in the top 10 or 15 by most people's reckoning. But again, th- there seems to be talk that he's dropping away. And that's Andrew Booth from Clemson. Um I, I like Andrew Booth. I mean, he's six foot one ninety-four, average arm length for thirty-one and a half. Seems to have a lot of the tangibles that the Bengals like. The production is there as well. Um, Fourteen pass defenses and five interceptions on seventy-six targets across twenty-two games. When Clemson played Georgia, a very dominant Georgia, Georgia just threw away from him for three quarters of the game. They just didn't want to go anywhere near his side. He's a strong, aggressive cornerback. He's got that alpha mentality, and I know that teams cover that. Uh, to me, he's very scheme versatile, but man coverage appears to be um, um, where he's at his best. He likes to be left on the island with the um, the, the wide receiver one from the opposition. Um, what I like especially is that he doesn't bite easily on play action, misdirection and double moves, which I think is really important. There have been a few tackling issues seen on tape, but despite his evident physicality but uh, hopefully um more experience will alleviate those but his most impressive quality he snuffs out and destroys the screen uh, the screen game brilliantly uh, like a woosier does the two of those as our cornerbacks we would get a great deal of joy snuffing out um the uh, the screen game so if he got down to 31 i think it would be massive value for for the bengals uh, and i'd hope that they would um uh, Put their card in for him.
2: I actually saw that uh, there was a report yesterday. He actually underwent surgery for a sports hernia as well. Uh, he should be available by the beginning of training camp, yeah. but that could still be a minor thing for teams to maybe uh, let him drop a bit more. So, slightly more chance maybe he drops to us. Yeah, but. The-
4: the hope, I the hope is though that if teams are looking for um, him to be an automatic starter, that might scare them off a little bit. Whereas the Bengals won't necessarily; they'll be quite happy to have him sit behind Eli Apple for the first um, few games as he gets acclimatized to the NFL. So that might help push Booth down to us. I think. Definitely. Staying at defensive backs, but just moving across to safeties now. Obviously, we've got Jesse Bates' contract coming up. Uh, uh, will the Bengals decide that they can't afford him because they've got the Borough contract and further down the line, they've got two now very expensive wide receiver contracts coming up in uh, T. Higgins and uh, Jamar Chase. Obviously, Ricardo Allen's retired. Von Bell's out of contract next season. Safety is going to be a sneaky, important need for the Bengals. So let's have a look at a couple of those. Um, Rory, Daxton Hill, Michigan. Tell me about him.
5: Hi. I think the more, more I watch Daxton Hill, um, the more I'm convinced that he's going to be a first-round player to me. Um, so, whether or not he's on the board at, at 31, um, he might not be because he's got a, a real good combination of athleticism and size. Uh, like you said, safety is going to be a pressing concern eventually. We're going to have to... We have two so like good starters now he it is a concern for the Bengals. So, Uh, He will be in play. Whether or not they've been willing to spend a first round pick on it is yet to be seen. Uh, The benefit for Hill would be that he wouldn't be needed as a safety immediately. Um, So he's not expected to be a day one starter in one of those positions. And he could eventually sort of be trying to take over from Bates in 2023. He's very versatile. Uh, So I've got his snap counts, his career snap counts from Michigan. Uh, he's played free safety for uh, 271 snaps, he was a box safety for 275, and played in the slot for uh, as a nickel corner for 837 snaps and that was where he played mostly last season. So he's got experience um, covering slot receivers, tight ends and could uh, push probably got the athleticism to play as an outside corner so that's something to watch as well if we brought him in. Could he compete with Eli Apple in year one and um, perhaps put a little... Pressure on that position. Uh, he's a little bit wiry, thin frame, so it could do to bulk up if he was going to be a safety ultimately. Uh, similar to Kyler Gordon's starts, two interceptions, six pass breakups, uh, shows he's got plenty of coverage ability to be a free safety eventually. Um, and also, I think we could use him in a similar role to Trey Flowers, the way that we use Trey Flowers in the back end of the season, where he was specialist sort of covering tight ends. We've got a lot of premier tight ends that we face next season. Uh, i have got Kyle Pitts, Travis Kelsey, Gasicki, and um, potentially Gronkowski um, if he returns. So we do need somebody that, that has the ability to to cover those both players. Mm. Um, but yeah, I would be interested to watch him p- pot- potentially be the starting corner uh, because mm-hmm. I think he's got the physical traits to do it. So that would be interesting if we took him at 31.
4: Speaking of versatility, um, another very versatile safety is Jalen Petrie of, of of Baylor. Paris, what do you say about him?
1: Yeah, I so, said, yeah, extremely versatile. Um, he mainly played the slot um, for Baylor, but he was very effective at the safety position. Um, he made a lot of plays on the ball. He had two interceptions this year, um, a couple of fumble recoveries, a couple of forced fumbles. Um, he was also an excellent blitzer for Baylor. Um, he recorded double-digit tackles for loss and eight sacks during his college career. Um, he's 5'11 and £197 but he has played at £212 so you can play him on the box if you wanted to, um, he delivers quite a lot of big hits in the run game as well um, he's better in man coverage than zone coverage, he can get a bit lost in zone coverage sometimes but um, his short area quickness is excellent but his top end speed isn't so good so he's better in short spaces but um, I wouldn't pick him in round one but I think he's a prime candidate if we trade back and you know, gains more draft capital. And if he falls to sixty-four somehow, then you know he'd be BPA almost certainly.
4: Excellent, excellent. Um, so moving through the forward, but stay on the defense. Um, there is another position of potential need, and that's backup um, defensive tackle, possibly a three-tech. Obviously, um, we've um, lost Larry Ogunjobi, or the, um, maybe there's a possibility that the Bengals look to him or. Um, another defensive tackle, perhaps after the draft, who might be there or thereabouts 31 that we might have a look at or someone maybe slipping into the second round where we might pick him up if we trade back. Um, So, starting off, if we can, Paris, Travis Jones, University of Connecticut, is more of a nose or a one tech, isn't he?
1: Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, he's six foot four, 325 pounds. He's a big, exceptionally powerful man. Um, He dominated at the Senior Bowl all week in one-on-one-v-one matchups versus guards and centres, constantly driving him back. Um, He eats double teams in the run game. Excellent there. He's also got a very good swim move in his passing arsenal. So um, he's very good with that. Um, I think he is more of a nose tackle. But um, I think he does have that DJ reader sort of type upside where I think he could, you know, push for pocket, collapse pocket and create a lot of pressures in the passing game. So he might not rack up big sack numbers, but he could still be very effective. So um, I think he'd be good value at 31, even if he's not necessarily an ideal fit. But I think he'd offer very good value there.
4: He looked good at the um, senior ball.
1: Yeah, he was, was excellent. Very, yeah. People were very impressed with him.
4: If we move slightly from... Nose tackle across to three tech. The one I like is Perry and Winfrey. Again, he was almost unblockable at the senior bowl. Six foot three and a half, 290-pound defensive tackle up from Oklahoma. He's a, a squat-looking defensive tackle, more in the mold of Gino Atkins. Um, predominantly plays three-tech, which for those who don't know, means he lines up on the outside sh- shoulder of the opposing guard, but he's also very comfortable at five tech, so he has that versatility. He's quick. I mean, he ran a 4.8940, which is really quick for a man of 290 pounds, and explosive, a 171 10-yard split. You can see that first explosive step um, at the snap and often is in the face of the guard Um, by the time the guard's able to get himself up out of his his stance. He's got a violent rip move, which is um, um, a big weapon for him. He's really good at defending his own blocking scheme because of his quick step and has a very, very high motor. I've seen him chase down players 20 yards down the field. Hope that won't be necessary if he played for the Bengals, but he's got that high motor. And also, what I like about him, he doesn't just play to the whistle, he plays to the echo of the whistle. I really like that about uh, a defensive tackle. So, again, so we've started centrally, moved to three and five tech. What about slightly further wide, um, Rory? Tell me about Logan Hall.
5: Yeah, I think uh, he he's, he's probably like I think we've said before um, in other discussions we've had. He, he on the face of it, he would be perfect as an outside pass rusher in that mold for the Bengals. They love big, physical, and long uh, edge rushers. So he's six foot six, two eight three, but he actually has bulked up quite a bit with the pre, you know, to come inside. So when you look at the Houston tape. He has been working predominantly as a defensive tackle, operates from the B gap um, in between the guard and the tackle mostly. Um, He has spent time over the tackle, so you can move him around those positions. He would fit really nicely in our five-man front because he can operate as sort of a second three tech or he can do that sort of five tech role as well. So I know that Loon likes using quite a heavy presence on early downs uh, and I think he's a good fit for that. Uh, pass rushes is, is is the strong bit of his game. Quick twitch, ability to get skinny, good spin move on uh, on tape, uh, and a good twin move. Uh, nice, maybe get a little bit stronger at the point of contact, can get bullied a little bit in the in the run game, but that's always going to happen because he's got that tweener size. Um, but yeah, I think he's a really really solid player, and I would like to see him in sort of a NASCAR package um, if we could get mm-hmm. him. Hendrickson, Hubbard, and Osai as your four defensive linemen. I think that would cause some serious problems.
4: Ready, steady, go. First one to the court, to the quarterback wins. Nice. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Okay, so that's really the players that we're thinking the Bengals should be having a look at around 31 or for a trade back. But you know, for, for those listeners who are um, draft geeks like uh, like us around this table, you can't help but developed draft crushes of, of, of players you really like, even if you know that your team aren't going to pick them, that you just enjoy watching their tape. So um, I've asked the gents to come up with a, a draft crush to tell us about. So uh, let's start with you, Paris. Who have you got for me?
1: Uh, so I've got Isaiah Likely. Um, he's a tight end from Cal- Coastal Carolina. Um, he plays in the Sunbelt Conference, so not everyone may have heard of him or seen him play before. Um He's six foot four and 245 pounds. Um, he was highly productive in his college career. Um, he led all college tight ends last year on touchdown catches with 12 across the season. He also had 950 yards receiving, so, yeah, very productive. Uh, he's a good athlete for the position, stretches the field vertically. Um, he's very good at high pointing the ball and winning jump balls and 50 50 catches. Um, he's also an ac- academic and off, you know. He's a high character guy on and off the field, which is something the Bengals highly cover, you know, in draft prospects. Um, he lacks ideal size for the position, but, um, you know, he probably needs to bulk up a little. Um, needs to work on his blocking as well in the run game, um, a bit more consistent with his hand usage. But um, I think the third round is a sweet spot for him. Um, if he somehow reaches the fourth round, he'd be a steal at that point.
4: Excellent. Nathan, who do you fancy? Well,
2: following the, the lines that uh, Paris is going down, because obviously a tight end is a big uh, potential need going forward, maybe more in 2023 for the Bengals. See, they'd signed Hayden Hurst to a one-year deal, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, the guy I was looking at is a little bit different. It's um, Jelani Woods out of Virginia. Um, the definition of a- athletic freak is uh, R.E.S. score was actually a perfect 10, which is the best testing ever by a tight end. Uh, he's 23 He's also a little bit older than some uh, other prospects, but he's six seven. 260 pounds he initially was a high school quarterback uh, recruited to Oklahoma state before converting to tight end. Um Oklahoma state used, used him more as a, as a blocking tight end as if he transferred to Virginia uh, to become more of a receiving tight end. Uh, he did have 44 catches for 598 yards and eight touchdowns in his one year as more receiving tight end. So not a bad start for it considering he hadn't been used to being used that much in the passing game. Um, he did run a four six one forty 140 time as well, which for six foot seven guys is pretty impressive. Uh, he can be uh, definitely a mismatch nightmare with his height and frame. Uh, and even though he's quite raw, especially with his brute running, could be an inter- interesting prospect to, to develop behind Hayden Hurst and Drew Sample for this year at least. Maybe even if he develops really well, could take over the tight end one spot and be a weapon for, for Burrow. Um, he does also have good run blocking competitiveness and can be a major red zone weapon, especially with six foot seven, uh, 260 pound frame. And Also, being a former quarterback is also beneficial uh, to being a good option for Joe Burrow. I think. You see more and more tight ends nowadays of former quarterbacks that have a really good understanding of the field and can find the zones really well. So, I think it'd be a really good option.
4: So, Rory, are you going for the hat-trick of tight ends?
5: I'm not, but I am sticking on offense and we're going to go with Xander Horvath, running back slash fullback out of Purdue. So he's currently Draft Network's 266th-ranked prospect. So we're looking at sort of seventh-round priority free agent, maybe, you know, sort of that that sort of guy. Running back is well-stocked for us, but Samaj P. Ryan is in the last year of his deal. So it is potentially a good look for a a late-round or free agent, a bigger back, um, more physical back. That's exactly what Horvath is. Uh, very useful in short yardage situations or as a, a fullback as I said. Solid blocker, which we can never have too much um, solid blocking when we, we're trying to protect Joe. So um, if we ever did need a fullback to do that, he could be the man. Uh, we've, the Bengals have shown desire to protect Mixon on, on third and short and third downs, um, which has caused some consternation at times. But we could bring Harvath in in those red, red zone situations. But despite sort of the size that he has, he is actually quite a nifty mover as well. Put on the highlights, you'll you'll see some nice spin moves and some hurdles. Uh, In 2020, he had three games for Purdue where he went over 100 yards, so he's no slouch. Um, 2021 was quieter because he was short on season with a fractured fibula, but he did return to finish out the season for for Purdue, and he would be a, a strong camp body if if nothing else if he did pick him up as a free agent he's going to be one of those guys that that is more than willing to to chip in on special teams and do all the the ugly stuff Um, so yeah I think he'd be he's somebody that I'm going to watch out and see where he goes and see if he can forge himself a career at the
4: NFL level and a former teammate of our own Marcus Bailey uh, a Boilermaker yeah yeah that's it Right, well, my, anyone who has the misfortune of having to listen to me go on and on about the draft will know that my eye always gets drawn to linebackers. So um, my draft crush is a linebacker this year, Troy Anderson from the Montana State Bobcats. Um, this guy does everything. Six foot three and a half, so size 243 pounds so a solid sturdy um, middle linebacker you would think but he is anything but limited to that he arrived at college as a court- quarterback was a very successful quarterback in fact he was the first team all big sky conference quarterback they then converted him to running back and he was extremely successful as a running back he ran for 1142 yards in 2018 and then they converted him to a linebacker And he was the conference defensive player of the year last year. So whatever he does on the field, he achieves. And the reason they're able to do that is because of his athleticism. He really is quick. Um, Don't forget, this is a 243-pound, six-foot-three-and-a-half man. He ran a 4.42 40-yard. That is phenomenal speed. So playing at linebacker, if you expect him to cover slot receivers... That 4.42 is much quicker than Tyler Boyd's 4.58, quicker than Hunter Renfro's 4.59, and Cooper Cup's 4.62. This guy's got speed. He's a a three-down linebacker, sideline to sideline. You want him to cover tight ends? He's got the size, he's got the athleticism. His 4.42 is quicker than George Kittles' 4.52. He's even quicker than Darren Waller, who was a wide receiver coming out of college, and he was a 4.46. He's a strong, aggressive tackler. He needs a bit more experience getting off blocks, but he really is an exceptional talent. If he's there at 63, I would I would snap him up immediately. Great depth of the linebacker room. Dynamic and quicker. Um, he will certainly improve that room. And also gives the, the team great leverage if the Jermaine Pratt contract gets a little bit too expensive for their liking. And before that, he would be an absolute ace on special teams. So he's my draft crush. So, ladies and gentlemen, that's it uh, for us this year. You ha- there you have it. a few names for uh, you to keep your eyes on in, in in a draft. It really should be a fascinating draft um, f- for us drafting so late, late than normal. So I'd uh, just uh, like to say thank you to the gentlemen for, for being involved today.
3: So there we go. Thanks to Peter Dadswell, uh, Rory Joe Daniels, Nathan Sangara and Paris Pinney, there for their input, I hope uh, they gave us a lot of names. One of the more interesting ones is the centre position, Tyler Linderbaum, who um, a lot of Bengals would quite fancy. Again, I think it's... it's They're wearing... A lot of Bengals fans are still wearing, we must draft offensive line, must do offensive line uh, glasses on. Uh, we talked about hats earlier. Now we're talking about glasses. Um what do you think about drafting someone like Elinda Baum, who is supposed to be a top twenty talent? Is that the kind you mentioned before the round table that um you know you'd like to see the Bengals be aggressive. Would the idea of, of trading up uh for a centre uh, be classed as aggressive to you? Would you be happy with that?
0: I mean, like I said, I probably the offensive line wouldn't be my number one priority, but I think the Bengals will know if they really think that this is this is it for us. If we can protect Burrow this year, the receivers are elite. You've got arguably the best three-group of receivers in the league. Obviously, that offensive line is only going to make Joe Mixon, who's a top-ten running back, better. Um, tight end position is okay. But in general, the offense would look, you know, your quarterback's top, five in the NFL arguably top three you'd be sitting there saying this is an absolute powerhouse and if you think that um Taylor Lindenbaum is the guy to do it I mean I always love an offensive lineman from Iowa it just feels like a school <laughs> that's going to spit out good linemen do you yeah, know what I mean the yeah. Iowa Hawkeyes like you know they've got a good um, history with it so yeah I mean I wouldn't If they felt he was the right guy, he was going to come in, he was going to make an immediate impact. You look across that line, then it will be an absolute, you know, it'll be absolutely beautiful. It would have a lot of (laughs) versatility. There'd be a lot of strong young guys there, a lot of leaders. I wouldn't be completely against it, but I I do think if the Bengals want to move up and take someone or even if someone falls to them that they cannot believe and they think, God, this guy, we thought he was going at 20 or 18 and goodness me, he's here at 31. Whatever the position within reason, apart from obviously quarterback, um, and maybe wide receiver, you're probably not in a million years going to take a wide receiver in round one, even if it was one of the best prospects in the class. But I think you have to, put yourself in that position. I think too much in the past, like we've said before, the Bengals have, you know, really pigeonholed themselves into having to take a certain position mm-hmm. and it's not always worked out for them. So I think they need to have at least sort of four or five positions in this draft. I mean, it's an interesting point you made about um, even looking at safety. Um, and the question I had for you um, when I, when you were talking was if the Bengals drafted, I know I'm segueing away in yeah. awfully terrible, stu- terrible structures to this podcast, son, but <laughs> If the Bengals were to draft a safety in round one, yeah, do you think that that would send the wrong message to Jesse Bates and potentially upset him? I mean, I know he's been a professional, an absolute yeah. professional last year, and obviously they you know it wasn't his first choice by any means to be franchised. They've been slightly lukewarm on saying that they're working on a deal or they want you know they want a the deal to get done. Um, obviously it's good money on the franchise tag, but you know, for Jesse Bates, he wants something long term, a bit of guaranteed money, um, and a bit of payback for, um, the work he's done. So to me, it's like you go and draft a safety in the first round or someone like that, that, that he kind of sees as his successor, you know, are they, they're going to pay him and then they've just invested in a safety or, you know, one of him or Von Bell is going to be sitting there saying, well, I'm probably not going to be here in a year's time, you know, so that, that, that's the only difficulty with that one. I would say.
3: Yeah, it's a very tricky one, I think. You have to balance that. You have to balance that out because Jesse Bates said last year that um, he was affected the first half or so of the season with all this kind of um, free agency contract chat. And yet, you know, the back end of the season, especially the playoffs, he was just fantastic, wasn't he? He was so good and... um, so I, I I do wonder I do wonder whether they can I mean, Katie Blackburn said she thought that he him and his people wanted to see what the safety market was like in this free agency and it wasn't amazing. So I wonder if they can strike a deal um this off season. I think it'd be great, you know. But as you mentioned before, safety isn't the most um as much as we love uh uh Jesse Bates, you know, um, that um, that position group of safety is not the most premium on the team. And especially with people like Burrow and Higgins, perhaps, and Logan Wilson, perhaps, coming up next year, Jermaine Pratt, people like that. Um, you know, it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, and you're right, you don't want to, you know... Um, Upset the apple cart too much, but you know Brandon Wilson's coming back from a, an ACL, and he's a great returner. But he hasn't shown much at safety. Let's be quite honest. Uh, Ricardo Allen has retired, so again, it's a bit of a thin room. I quite like Draven Henderson, I'd say, um, but you know you're not going to put all your eggs in the in the Henderson basket, are you? Um, and there are some good safeties uh, around. You know you got um, that might be at the end of. Round one, you've got Jaquan Brisker, who's very good. Uh, you've got the hybrid guys, Daxton Hill and Jalen Um Nathan uh, mentioned him. Uh, you have got Lewis Sign, who I'm a fan of. My uh, one of the guys that I'm really into is Kirby Joseph. You know, so you and then you've got uh, the Bearcats, Brian Cook, as well. So there's there's it's, it's a pretty good safety class this year. But it, like you said, it's just a case where whether they, they want to. Because I think if you draft a, a safety in the first round, certainly, which I don't think is going to happen, um, you're really putting your cards on the table and saying, right, Jesse, after this season, that's that, really, I think. So, And I don't think that's particularly good man management. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one, but I wouldn't expect them to draft a safety in the first round. Second or third is a possibility, yeah. depending on
0: I agree. how it all falls. I th- Another position that'll be a big one for the Bengals, I think, to look at in round one is linebacker. Um not the most pressing need. You've got Logan Wilson there who's fantastic. Akeem Davis Gaith has been been pretty good and Jermaine Pratt stepped up last year as well. But behind that is quite thin. I know Joe Bacci played well when he a bit last year, when he when he had to step up and step in. Obviously Jordan Evans is always, you know, he's all right, but he's never gonna tear the house down, is he? So, I mean, well, he's not, he's
3: not he's a free agent, so, and they haven't re-signed him.
0: Of so. course, of course. They got Marcus I, I Bailey like there, inevitable. and they got the guy that yeah. we signed uh, late last
3: year, was it Clay Johnston as well? Um, yeah,
0: I mean, Bailey did play well last year when he stepped yeah. up, but it's whether you, I mean, there's a, there's a few good players there, there's not, with an exception of Logan Wilson, there's no absolute standout talents there. I think Pratt's very, Pratt's good definitely above average. I'd say that Davis Gaith has still got a lot to prove. So it's almost just giving yourself, I mean, whatever position the Bengals bring in, they've put themselves in a position where they don't desperately need someone to come in and start day one. It's not that desperate. And I think with this 31st pick, Linebacker could be a good one because if anything happens to Logan Wilson, then you're very thin, and there's a lot of guys with not a huge amount of experience there. If someone like Nakobe Dean is there from Georgia, that's an interesting fit. You know, would they want to sort of shore up that side of the ball? Because you've got to think most of the work they've done in free agency has been on the offensive side of the ball. They've not done too much as of yet on the defensive side of the ball. Certainly with exterior sort of free agents coming out from outside the building, so that's potentially an area they might look to to shore up um, and I'd be quite happy with that, to be honest. I think it's it'd be quite nice sort of to add a first round talent at linebacker. It's been a long time so that I can remember since the Bengals have drafted a linebacker in round one. So it'd be, it'd be a welcome addition, I think.
3: And I think you've just said exactly why they won't draft a, a linebacker in round one because they never do. They never Keith do. Keith Rivers. Keith Rivers, that's right. I think you've got to go back to David Pollack, the doomed David Pollack as well. Yeah. Um, poor old David there. Uh, but that's exactly why I don't think they value the position highly enough. And you know, there's an argument to say that's kind of true, really, especially when they only play in their base defense, perhaps two linebackers at once. You know what I mean? So
0: yeah, no, that's a good point.
3: I I think you know the defensive back area and certainly the defensive line is is more premium, and I, they regard that as much more premium. And frankly, in my opinion, so they should. So I'm all up for, uh, I'm a big fan of defensive tackles. Like, I love, uh, Gino Atkins was arguably my favourite player the last 10 years, and you know my man crush on Michael Johnson as well. I love those big lads on the defensive line. Um, So, you know, there's some there as well. But what would happen if, say, a Zion Johnson, two guards, Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green both have tested immaculately they look fantastic on 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 tape. They they would fill a need. We you know because if like they 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 drafted Linderbaum, for instance, they would move Ted Ted Karras to left guard, yeah. which would solve yeah. that left guard position. But if they drafted either a Zion Johnson or a Kenyon Green, then you've got a plug-in-in-play um, left guard right there, and then you know. But will they be happy with Jackson Carmen? Though I don't know. I mean, I think it would be hard to pass up a Zion Johnson or a Kenyon Green at 31 if if either of those two guys were there, um, which goes against this whole kind of defense first in the draft. You know, they they are last year they spent a, a ton of money on defense. This year they concentrated it on in free agency on the offensive line. Uh, So, you know, they've already played this game where they spend a lot of money on defence and draft it for the offence. We've seen that in the past couple of years. This year they put most of their free agency resources into the offence. So, you know, carrying through that argument or approach, you've got to expect more of a defence-heavy draft, I think. Um, But who knows? You know, we're what? About 24 days away from the draft, a lot can happen. Uh, teams will be building their big boards and all this and all that. And our guys have already spoken. So it's It's kind of getting to the nitty-gritty now. So it's it's exciting. I'm excited to see where they go. I think it's fascinating to see what they're going to do. I really do.
0: 100%. I, do you think I mean, we haven't talked about this too much? Uh, I know it's been two weeks now since we, we did our last podcast, but... On the free agency side, just segueing there for a moment, what do you expect there? Because we talked earlier in the the show about Quinton Spain being unsigned. Um, You mentioned earlier Jordan Evans as well, sort of a more rotational guy in the linebacker spot. But do you think there's any guys either from the Bengals that are free agents at the moment or even guys outside the building that they'd be looking at to sort of bring in? I mean, do you think at this point they wait until the draft, see how the chips fell and then maybe look to to sign guys? Or do you think there's a chance before the draft they could bring a couple of people in?
3: I think a lot of people forget that free agency is actually quite a long process and we're so conditioned these days to want everything. Now, now, now. You saw the... Twitter reaction when the Bengals didn't sign anyone for like three hours. It was going, Mad, where are all these you know? Um you know, the free agency uh process can last right up until roster cuts day in sort of June. You know what I mean? It's like you know, we i would be very surprised if we picked up anyone before the draft. And um and then I would I wouldn't I would when we if we do pick up anyone else, and I think we will one or two other players on, like you say, kind of bargain basement deals, because we haven't got that much money left to play with. You know, we've got some, but not loads, so we have to be kind of, uh, you know, kind of cautious in our approach and very selective. Um, at the moment, I would love Quentin Spain back, and I would love Trey Flowers back because I think they both did good jobs last year. But um, I would I would imagine That um, I don't think we'll sign anyone free agent wise until I wouldn't be surprised if it's until June, until roster cuts day when you can see people getting cut. Unless anyone crazy is cut because of cap reasons and, you know, suddenly there's this major talent out there at a good price. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect anyone.
0: I've got a game for you, Sam.
3: Until June. Put it that way.
0: Go on. I've got i I've got a game for you on this subject. I'm I'm gonna read out a current free agent's name yep. and you have to respond with a noise as to your opinion of whether or not <laughs> it would be worth it Yeah, so if, like, if you're excited. Uh, okay, or, right, you right. like, or if it's like. bad then you can make a, a bad noise. Right. All right, okay, go on. But right, these are we, free
3: agents that are kind of realistic, not ridiculous free agents.
0: Well, I mean well within well I don't know we'll all right, it all right. it doesn't matter. Let's let's play
3: the game. What are we gonna call this game?
0: <laughs> I don't know, rate the free agent but it's not a particularly exciting name Wow, you um, sold first, me, first, was it? <laughs> first, free, first free agent Go on. Stephon Gilmore Ooh <laughs> that's, that's a good one Akeem Hicks Hmm Jadavion Clowney
3: Yeah <laughs> Actually, no He'd it, be like, hmm. Mm.
0: Joe Hayden. Yeah. <laughs> AJ Green. <Yeah>. Gino <laughs> <Geno> Atkins. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's it. I thought that was quite a good little. Actually, good little I, game, I, wasn't it?
3: did it did re- I did. Uh, I, did um, I did read, actually. um There was a report out there that the Bengals were looking at uh, Gino. Or at least someone suggested that um, they should sign Gino uh, again. Um, Don't know. Shall I do some for you as well? Go ahead, on then. Right. Tyron Matthew. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Julio Jones. Julio Jones. Julio Jones. I do beg your pardon, Julio. (whistles) Oh, saucy. Melvin Ingram, (coughs) Antonio Brown, (coughs) Uh, Calais Campbell, Uh, um, Jarvis Landry,
1: and
3: a few more, let's just see. Here we go. Here, Sammy Watkins, yeah. Kyle Rudolph,
4: mm-hmm. mm.
3: and um, Jaquisky Tart. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, very good. Right. Um, some good players out there, not there? Yeah, there's still some good players, and you know, there's a couple of good veteran cornerbacks out there that. Someone like a Stephen Nelson or a Christopher Harris, they're, you know, getting on in years, yeah, especially yeah. with Harris. But could they come in and do a job for a year? I think they probably could. In fact they yeah, you, yeah, you know, yeah. you kind of know that they would actually. Um so there are there is opportunity, but I don't think they'll sign anybody until way after the draft, until they sit down and go through the roster and think, Right, uh, what have we got? What do we need? We've had the draft, we've had free agency. Uh, let's fill in a few of those gaps, uh, with training camp on the horizon. That's, that's what I would expect.
0: No, I agree with you. I think it's always probably a smart approach there, isn't it? You don't want to go and fill the roster up with um, guys, spend all the money and then realise actually um, one of these guys fell to us or, you know, it potentially deters you from drafting someone who would have been the right pick. So I think the roster's in a pretty good position. I think there's a couple of guys there that you, you may want to fill holes with and based on how the draft goes, if you find that actually the cornerback's that you potentially want don't fall in the right place, you maybe do go out there and be a bit more aggressive on the remaining free agents. But I think the Bengals will feel they're in a good spot. They've done some good work and it does open the draft up for them.
3: Yeah. And aren't you thankful? I know the Bengals get a lot of flack for being quite, you know, boring and not being aggressive and all this and all that. But uh, I think they are being aggressive in their own sort of way, actually. And I, I do think they understand the need... To take advantage of this Super Bowl window, I, I do get that, uh, and I, but I kind of do like the fact that they're not going crazy because they they want to fill their roster with lots of good players rather than just one that costs five hundred million dollars.
0: <laughs> do you know what I mean? One hundred percent. The, um, the Leo Collins signing was big because I think you take him out, and potentially it, it just looks okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Karras and Kappa are good signings. Obviously, you've lost Riley Reef and um, Quinton Spain at the moment. And th- those guys are upgrades. Is Hayden Hurst an upgrade over C.J. armor? I, I wouldn't particularly say so. But Lael Collins is a massive sign, and he's one of the best tackles in the league, if healthy. And I think the Bengals will be very, very happy with what they've done on the line. And that was the biggest area of need. They've made splashes. They've replaced C.J. armor with a, a guy that potentially has a higher ceiling. But... Perhaps isn't well as I, I Well, d- known. I think
3: if all goes to plan and Hayden Hurst plays like he did in 2020, he'll give us similar production. No, I agree. I do agree with To CJ you. Uzama last year, I,
0: I do agree with you. you I was I mean? worried and a bit concerned. I think the, the the presidents we've talked about this before, but I think the the leadership that CJ gave us and the character in the locker locker room, the chemistry with Burrow, all the rest of it was huge. But I did think when you looked at what he was getting paid and what he probably wanted on the open market, when you match that against his production, I know he came back from a a very tough Achilles injury this year. That would have been, was an incredible um, return really to come back and put up the numbers he did. But I was a little bit, because I I don't think with CJ, you're going to go out there and see him put up seven, 800 yards and seven or eight touchdowns. I think he's probably already at his ceiling in terms of potential. So I think, that was an area the Bengals probably made the right move in to go out and get you know maybe save a bit of money doing a deal like that with Hayden Hurst, um, and which is and like, why he's...
3: that you go you're going to dip into the draft for a, a tight end. Yeah, and So the tight end class is I've been really impressed with what I've seen at the moment. I've been the depth of the tight end. Are you going to pick up a starter in round four or five in this draft? I, I really do. Well, at least a potential starter. And I think that's great. If you can bring someone in, tight ends are notoriously slow to hit top form in the NFL. There's a lot of stuff to learn. Obviously, block inline blocking and then, you know, obviously the receiving game and your root tree as well. There's a lot to learn there and it does take uh, tight ends longer uh, to kind of get it. Some... As we've known in the past, like Jermaine Gresham, have got it, but not to the potential that they they were drafted for, I don't think. Um, so I do expect them to pick up a tight end. But hey, the conversation continues, and um, next week we will have, all being well, Dave Lapham, the legend that is Dave Lapham. Uh, so stay tuned. We've got Joe Goodbury coming up in a couple of weeks' time as well, maybe a surprise or two. We might have some news about something next week, so stay tuned. I believe Dastardly Duncan is sending out issue three of our fanzine. You don't live in Cleveland, so if you've um, if you've ordered, uh, you should be receiving them momentarily. Um, um, hold on, just. Um, And if you do, if you haven't got one and you want a um, copy, I think there may be a couple of issues left. They're only £3.50. Go to bengalsfanzine.blogspot.com and all the details will be there. So uh, once again, thank you to our panel, Pete, Rory, Paris and Nathan. Thanks so much, guys. And uh, thanks to you for listening. The draft conversation will continue next week. So until then, it's a Who Day from me.
0: And a Who Day from me. Cheers, guys.
3: And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.